Welcome to Green Conversations with me, Jeanette Fitzsimons. These episodes were recorded at the Young Greens Annual Conference held in February 2019 on our farm, Pakaraka. We're sitting under the pecan nut trees down by the river with background sound effects from the tuis and the cicadas. There are more episodes on their way. Green thinking people had no mainstream option in 1990. National and Labour had both embraced neoliberalism with little difference between Roger Nomics in Labour and Ruth in Asia in National. Five small parties were standing against this philosophy. Jim Anderton's New Labour, which had split off the Labour Party over the sale of the Bank of New Zealand. The Democrats, a new name for the old social credit, who were still pushing monetary reform, and rightly so. Manamotu Haki, led by Mati Rata and Sandra Lee, with similar policies to the Māori Party a couple of decades later, and a group of unhappy national members who were more sort of centrist than national had become, led by Gilbert Miles and Hamish McIntyre, who were both MPs and who left to form the Liberals in the hope that Winston Peters would then join them and become leader. But he had other ideas. The movement for proportional representation was gathering strength. Obviously, parties were winning votes significant votes at elections and not getting any representation as a result because of the electoral system. And of course that's the electoral system that has prevented any third party gaining any traction in the United States or in the UK who have the same old first-past-the-post Westminster system. The best chance for us getting people elected was to stand under a single banner for those five small parties which had a lot of differences, but were united in some really important ways. We were all anti-war, anti-nuclear, um, uh, pro-environment to some extent, interested in Maori self-determination, women's rights, to different degrees. So in 1991, after a lot of discussions, the alliance was formed. The Greens, particularly Mike Smith, were a key player in making that happen, but we couldn't actually join it until after the 1992 conference because decisions like that can't be made by a few people and it had to be ratified by our conference. The five parties kept their own leadership, their own policies, their own constitutions. It was an alliance of parties, not an alliance party. But the media greatly misunderstood and misinterpreted, misrepresented that. 1992 conference in Nelson was a real test of our consensus decision making. Five hours of intense debate in a freezing cold school hall in the middle of winter. In the end, after constantly testing for consensus, asking what modifications could satisfy those who opposed the whole consensus process, which we were pioneering also in New Zealand. There were only four people who really opposed the decision and none of them asked to block consensus, although their votes were recorded. So we became part of the alliance and all of us could see both sides of the argument. You know, Would becoming part of this larger grouping bury the Green Party's individuality? Would our uniqueness get lost? Would the fact that other parties had among them three MPs and a lot more funding give them a lot more power in the alliance? And those were all real concerns and we could see that. On the other hand, this was the first and only opportunity to put our stamp 
on the movement in opposition to neoliberal economics and the National Labour Coalition. We did vote that the decision would have to be confirmed at the first conference after each election. And so the 1994 conference had another big debate on whether to stay with the alliance or to leave. And at that point, we opted to stay. But I think everybody saw it as being um, a temporary arrangement until we had proportional representation. And from then on, things had to be done twice. Green policy debates and then alliance policy debates. Green party lists, which contributed to alliance party lists. Green conference, alliance conference. It was a lot of work, but if we were to put our stamp on the alliance, we had to get consensus within our own movement for things and then put them forward with our partners. The first alliance conference in 1992, which was a razzmatazz affair unlike any Green Party conference had ever been in Auckland, elected Jim Anderson as leader of the alliance and Sandra Lee and myself as co-deputy leaders of the alliance. Things were still having to be done to satisfy the five parties. Jim was such a dominant person and had the profile of a long-standing MP, so it was always kind of obvious he was going to be leader if we had to have a leader, which the Greens didn't really want, but anyway, that's what happened. It was important to have a Green woman in the leadership for balance against Jim, both Green and a woman. I tried for a year to find somebody else to do it, and eventually failed, so I had to step out. Meanwhile, the Greens themselves had decided from the beginning to have no leaders. So here I was as co-deputy leader of the Alliance, but not the Greens themselves had no leaders. That became more and more untenable with the media saying, well, who do we go to? We had four appointed speakers, but they never really grasped that. And so we often didn't get media coverage because they didn't know who to go to for comment. So the 1995 Green Conference decided that perhaps we did need leaders for media reasons. Even though we were very non-hierarchical and they weren't to have any power, you understand, but they could speak on behalf of the party as long as everybody else agreed with what they said. There was almost no support for a single leader for the old leadership model of a hierarchy. Having two co-leaders was put forward as a suggestion and so was another remit that we have 594 leaders. <laughs> That's a totally made up number, but it was supposed to equal the total membership of the party in those days, like we're all leaders. It was decided to have co-leaders who would be one male and one female, and it has stayed like that ever since. That's become the model for most positions in the party. It was widely ridiculed by the media, who says, well, who's the real leader? And what happens if you disagree? Well, if we disagree, it's a great opportunity to work through those differences and get it and end up with something that's acceptable to the whole Green Party. But eventually it became so normal that other parties adopted it. The Māori Party had co-leaders when they formed. And when Rod died so tragically in 2005, the media were stopping me in the corridor all the time saying, when are you going to get another co-leader? You know, how are you going to manage with only one of you? And I was saying, well, we've got the same number of leaders as every other party in Parliament. I think I'll manage through till the next conference, which is when we elect our leaders. 
I had to do it for seven months, and it was actually hard work, but there you go. Rod Donald had become a national figure through the MMP campaign. He led the TV campaign for proportional representation against Peter Shirtcliffe, the businessman who was fighting for first past the post because it was easier for business to lobby and control than if there were multiple parties in Parliament. And he had this TV ad, I don't suppose any of you are old enough to remember it, of all these um, faceless people with paper bags over their heads and saying, well, with the MMP, you know, you're going to be voting for a whole lot of people on the list and you don't know who they are. Well, of course, that wasn't right because the lists are published. Rod was charismatic and forceful and a great communicator. He was very entertaining. He was a great foil for Shirtcliffe's pro-business approach. And we won the referenda on proportional representation on MMP in 92. There were two, one in 92 and one in 93. They followed on from each other. So that was a big victory, without which probably I would never have been in Parliament, and neither would any of us. As soon as the referendum was won, Rod rang me up and um, he said, Jeanette, I don't have to be non-political anymore. I can join a political party. Tell me, are the Greens going anywhere and should I join the Greens? He and I were elected co-leaders in 95, a partnership that was to last for 10 years. He was a great colleague to work with. I guess we were lucky that we, we did get on together and we were very fond of each other and I still miss him terribly. Not everyone was happy with the decision to form part of the alliance. It was seen by some as betraying our name, which would no longer be on the ballot paper. It would be alliance there rather than green. A few people left to set up splinter parties. There were the progressive greens, who were a bit more right-wing, and the green society, which was more about individual responsibility rather than collectivism. They argued that we had abandoned the name and they should be able to use it for their election campaigns. And when we tried to register with the Electoral Commission, as you have to do to be allowed to stand in the election, they challenged our registration. We had to hire legal expertise. May Chen acted for us. Dana Glendinning organised a lot of that. Without her, I don't know where we'd have been. It cost us $7,000, but she argued that we had established the right to the name, that we were still the Green Party even inside the Alliance, and nobody else could call themselves the Green Party or put green on the ballot paper. That decision found that we had an unbroken line of dissent from the Values Party, and that therefore, although in our current form we'd only been around a few months, we had a long enough history that we could qualify for funding for our broadcasting under the Electoral Act. That was pretty important because we didn't have the money to make TV ads and so forth, especially in those days. In the 93 election, still with no proportional representation, the Greens, of course, got no seats. But the Alliance won 18% of the vote, which was a measure of the opposition to Rogernomics and Ruthanasia. Jim won his seat in Wigram. Sandra Lee won Auckland Central. They were our only two Alliance MPs. I came a good second in Coromandel, which set up things for the 96 and 9 elections later. There was no Green Party on the ballot paper, but the Progressive Greens won 0.2% of the vote, and the Green Society won 0.11% of the vote, and both disappeared 
soon afterwards. My thanks to Hans Buter, who recorded this podcast, and to Finn Kennedy, who edited it.